I really appreciated what Aaron said about the uh, revival that's happening in uh, Kentucky and Asbury and uh, the fact that every time we come together, every time worshipers, worship leaders, worshipers come into the presence of God. And, you know, sometimes we have different visualizations for this. Sometimes it's about uh, the worship leaders and the worship team ushering us into the presence of God. That's one way of seeing it. Another way of seeing it is that uh, they usher the presence of God into our midst. The reality is all of that is true. And part of it is that we are on earth, but we are seated in heavenly places. And worship actually lifts us up, causes us to realize that we are in the throne room with God. So why don't we just uh, come to the Word of God, and as I read it, just sit back and meditate on the words that you're going to be hearing and the words that you're going to see on the screen. I'm going to be reading two chapters. There's, there's quite a bit of a hum. You hear that? It's the spirit. Okay. The vibrations in the spirit are causing a hum. Can you hear it? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be reading two chapters from Revelation. And it's the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we've all made the mistake of calling it Revelations. It's not a mistake in the sense that the book, while it's called the Revelation, is full of revelations. So, but the actual book is called Revelation. So, we're going to be talking about this scene. The scene that's in heaven that John is going to be invited to come up and have a look at. And uh, you can't see that behind me, but that would be helpful if you can see it. It's a scene in heaven that is taking place at a time that the Apostle John, the disciple that Jesus loved, was taken up, was invited to come up. And uh, what he saw was interesting. So I'm going to read it through. I'm leaving these images on there so that it can spark your imagination. But don't be limited by the pictures. Allow your imagination to go big as the words describe. This is one painter's vision. This is another. You can see there's somebody on the throne there. There is a lamb that looks kind of weird with seven horns and seven eyes. We'll talk about all of that, but let's read the scripture together. This is now in the book of Revelation where John writes letters to the seven churches in Turkey, in Asia, minor. After he finished the seven letters, this is what happens. He writes letters that Jesus dictates. And he's writing a letter to Ephesus, to Pergamum, to all the different seven churches in that region. And now he hears these words. After this I looked 
And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. So in worship, that's what we're invited, to come up here. When we're standing here leading worship, the worship team, they're like echoing the angels' words that say, Come up here. And when we allow ourselves to come up here, we experience things. Some of us start crying. Some of us start shaking inside. Some of us feel things. Some of us feel nothing. Some of us feel a warmth, a love, a depth of contact. You know, some of you will ask me, how did Korea go? Well, there were three sessions a day, which is something we had stopped doing, but there were three sessions a day, so breakfast, meal, I mean, breakfast session, break for no time for a meal, and then come back with another session and come back after dinner, come back for another session. And if you happen to be on the discernment team, you have an hour and a half before the first and before the third session. So it's basically right through the day. But all of it is an invitation to come up here. And when you come into the session, you can watch them online. If you go to watchmen.org, you can find them there under Korea Gathering. You can watch them. They're long sessions. And there's a lot of worship. That's mainly the thing that we do. As we're there in worship, stuff happens. People feel things. People react to the Spirit moving in their hearts. And there's always a table somewhere in the back that people, or online, people e email or text or all kinds of things, but there's discernment that's happening at the same time. So people, during worship, when they feel something, a verse, a scripture, a picture, they send it in and the discernment team sort of processes that to hear together what God is speaking. So here John is invited to come up here to see things that must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. You just saw the picture. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Where else did we see a rainbow? I know we see rainbows all the time now, at least flags. Sometimes we see a rainbow in the sky. When was the first rainbow? Noah's Ark, right? And that's why Mike Bickle, IHOP, some of these other teachers feel that the land of Armenia was the first place that heavens had opened to see this throne room and a picture of it. It's as though what was happening on earth with the rainbow reflected what was happening in the heavens that John saw many, many thousands of years later. Does that mean it's unique to Armenia? Well, it was a first. But I don't think it's unique. If you go to Niagara Falls, you see a rainbow there all the time. But what's the point? The point is a reminder that the Lord will not judge the earth with that kind of a plague again, the flood, but also it, it also it shows us that he reigns, that he sits on the throne and that he is worthy. Let's continue. The, the rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne was 24 elders. 
24 other thrones, and seated on them were the 24 elders. A lot of the book of Revelation has a lot of imagery. Don't get lost in the imagery. If you try to interpret every single detail as to what it means, you can do that. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom to do that. You can read many authors and many teachers and many commentaries that will give you detail. But my hope today is not to take you through all these different ideas of what this image means and what that image means, but to get the big picture. We're going to go through two key chapters, and that's a lot of chapters from the book of Revelation, a lot of images. But hang with me and look past the detail to see what it's really trying to communicate to us. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. All these details mean something. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. We sing it in our worship songs. We, th we sing about what happens in the heavens. Even our last song was talking about the worship that's going on on earth to match the worship that's going on in heaven. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Wait, I thought God was spirit. Did God have seven spirits? It's symbolism. God has, is one spirit. God is God. God is one. God is Father. He is Son. He is Spirit. He is all of that into one. He is just one God. But John is seeing the details and the different facets of this diamond called God. And he's describing it. And the seven spirits describe the one spirit who has many sides. And each of them are perfect and complete. Don't get lost in the detail. Don't get lost in the, in the symbolism. There's a lot of symbolism. Also in front of the throne there, were, uh, there was what looked like a sea of glass. Clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was fly, like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. So you want a wink? I don't know. Forgive me. Day and night, they, were never stopped, they would never stop saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever these living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, who are they talking to here? They are talking to God on the throne, in the throne room, in heaven. All these creatures, all these elders are worshiping him who has been told that he is holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. So they're telling us his identity. Here, 
They're telling us who they are saying he is holy to. They're not mincing words. They're very clear. They're talking to the Lord God Almighty who is forever, who was, is, and is to come. And the elders now are bowing and they're worshiping and they're flat on their, on their face and they're saying, you are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Everything in the, in the throne room, everything that's happening here in this picture, all of it, all of it, the four creatures, you can see them there, the 24 elders, they're all worshiping the God who is on the throne. All of them. You see the four creatures here. These are just pictures that people drew based on what they have read from John's description. We have no idea what it really looks like. But you can use your imagination. You are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. How does he receive power? That's a weird one. To receive glory, I understand. We magnify him. To receive honor, we honor him. But how do you give someone power? And I suggest that giving power is making ourselves weak in his presence. In our relationship, if I want to give Silva power, I weaken myself. I don't keep my power and expect her to have power. If I keep my power in a dynamic in the relationship, somebody has to get weak for the power to increase in the other. Think about that. You are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. Then I saw in the right of hand of him who sat on the throne in other words, in the right hand of the Father, God, the Creator, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. A lot of detail, a lot of symbolism. But there's some things that we don't understand because things have changed since that time that this was seen by John. You know, if, if John was to see in his hand was a screen, and that screen showed him everything. He would flip. But he saw something that caused him to flip. He saw a scroll that had writing on both sides. It was so important to him that he actually wrote it that way in the vision that he had seen. Why? Because all scrolls were only written on one side. But this was a scroll that was so full that it need to, needed to have writing on both sides. You know how they do the scroll, because you're turning it. Right? It's on two spindles, and you're turning the scroll from one side to the other, and you can go back and forth. So it doesn't make sense that you would write on the second side. But this one has writing on both sides. And it's in the hand of God, the Creator. 
Wonder what's inside. And wonder why it's so important to have it sealed. And not only sealed once, not twice, seven times. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? What do you think is inside that scroll? What's written? Many have commented about this. Many have thought about this. Many have revelation about this. I think the safest to understand is that it has the details of the plan of God for all creation. It's the blueprint. It's that which God's mind and heart has for all of creation. Why? Well, let's see what he says. Obviously, whoever opens it has to be worthy. Worthy of what? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open a scroll or look inside. As much as we desire to know the plan of God and as much as He reveals His plan to us, we pray, we sense in our spirit that God is speaking this thing and we try to sort of weigh it. You know, I told you that in Korea or any one of these gatherings, there's a discernment team. They're hearing together. Everybody is hearing. And it could be a small child. It could be an old person. Whatever anybody hears, we get into the discernment table and we try to discern what God is speaking. We're trying to, as though God is giving us a peek into one of the paragraphs or one of the sentences in that scroll. And we constantly, as humans, want to know, what is the plan of God for my life? Who should I marry? What job should I take? Where, what country should I move to? You've all made these decisions. And we sometimes feel the peace inside. And when that happens... It's as though we've plugged into this scroll and somehow tapped into, you know, Googled the scroll, chapter 5, verse 3 of Zore's life. Wow, look what God is doing in Zore's life and Masood's life this week. Wouldn't that be amazing? But the scroll is sealed and no one can open it. Not Zore, not Masood, not you, not me, not anybody. Nobody. He says, nobody in heaven or on earth or under the earth. In other words, nobody living, nobody dead, no angel in heaven, no created being can open the scrolls. Nobody is worthy. Angels are not worthy. It's too big a deal for them. God didn't make them for that. Humans were supposed to. But Paul says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. So none of us can open it. And John is in a moment of despair. He sees the weight of this important thing. And he realizes there's nobody worthy. Should John have known better? In that moment, John was there 
when Peter answered and said to Jesus, You are the Son of the living God. Did he forget? I wept and wept. This, this weeping here that's written about is like he bawled. He was like wailing because he was realizing that this is hopeless. The plan of God, the purpose of God's creation has been sealed. No one can open it. It's never going to get fulfilled. There's no hope. Have you ever felt that in your life? Where you keep on knocking on the door and nothing happens? Where you keep on praying for a change and nothing happens? You don't know what's going to happen in the future because it's not happening now. It hasn't happened yesterday. Is it ever going to change? And you start weeping. Maybe you're praying for a loved one. Maybe you're praying for healing. Maybe you're praying for a shift in your finances or in a relationship. And nothing is changing. So you can identify with John's despair. But one of the elders said to him, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. There is someone worthy. There is someone who is standing before God, who is capable. He is a lion. He is a lion. <laughs> Have you ever been in the presence of a lion? Physically? Not just by pictures. Well, there's a place here called African Lion Safari, not too far from Toronto. And the animals there, or at least the lions, look like they're all on Valium. They don't look like lions, I'm sorry. They just sit there, relaxed. I'm not sure if they're on THC or, or Valium or what it is, but they're just so sedated. I guess they have to be because it's open. There's no f fence. There's no bars. But if you go to the Toronto Zoo, you can probably see a lion or two in there that are quite robust. But they're nothing like the lions in the wild. They're nothing like a lion that's mad. They're nothing like a lion that's angry because some injustice took place. And this is the lion that we're talking about. A lion with sharp teeth, big hands and or paws and sharp claws, hair that's blowing in the wind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm a lion inside. <laughs> hmm. Who's worthy to break the seals? the lion of the tribe of Judah. So he's identifying for us. He's identified God the Father. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Lord God Almighty. 
Now he's identifying the one who is worthy to open the seals. He's been told to look. And then I saw a lamb. The lion doesn't look like a lion. This lion is pretty strong. He defeated the enemy. Here it says he triumphed. He has victory. It conjures up images in our hearts of, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? But he has triumphed over sin, over death, over Satan, over all our enemies. Then I saw a lamb, as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. He isn't just walking around on the side, but he's like in the place of the highest authority. He's standing in the middle of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns, like the seven spirits of, the, of God that were there. He had seven horns. What is horns? What does a horn represent? We've seen animals in the wild here in Canada with mighty big horns. You know what they do with their horns? They fight. They bump their heads with each other and lock their horns together. The stronger your horn, the stronger your victory. If you don't have the ability to shake your head and you have to have the strength in your neck and you have to have strong horns that have been sharpened and have been prepared for a battle. And he has seven of them. A perfect number. And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. He knew he was worthy. He knew he had passed the test. He knew he was victorious. He knew he had triumphed. He knew he would not be struck down for taking what was actually his to take. He didn't have to guess. He didn't have to get invited. He didn't have to be, come, 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 O Lambie. Come, it's the, the scroll is yours. And this is, these are images. I don't know how a lamb would take a scroll. Between the horns? I don't know. Maybe he had hands instead of paws? I don't know. Or feet? But whatever the case, he took... This is the, Don't miss the forest for the trees. He took the scroll from the right hand of him who had, was sitting on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Not a single prayer goes void. Not a single prayer is worthless. Not a single prayer, not a single tear accompanying prayer gets missed. It gets picked up and it gets put into these golden bowls that are presented before the presence of the throne itself, before God himself. And they sang a new song. They were singing another song earlier, Holy, Holy, Holy are you, O Lord God Almighty. Now they're singing a new song. 
You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's why we use languages. That's why we have a Bible study in Farsi, Alpha. Or we did the experiencing God in Farsi. That's why we, we have Thomas preaching in Armenian every Sunday. That's why we're preaching in English so that we can reach the masses of the people that are in the city that speak English. But we don't want to limit ourselves. We want to follow what God is doing. And we want to be able to reach every tongue and every language and every people. And his message is not just for one people group, one nation. It isn't for Israel because he came to for the people of Israel. It's for all nations. It isn't just for the Greeks. It isn't for the Romans. It isn't for the Armenians. It's not for the Iranians. It's for every nation. Every tribe. Every age group. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. You have made them. Now you're going to make them. Today we are part of this kingdom of priests. Today we are kings with him. But we don't exercise our authority. I'm not talking about fighting and doing this and doing that and changing this. I'm talking about stepping into the place of recognizing that he who is, made, who is worthy has given us what we need to ourselves be worthy. We sell ourselves short. We think we're unclean. You know, when the disciples were in the upper room with, the, with Jesus on that last Passover, and he wanted to wash their feet, you know what Peter said? Oh, wash all of me. Jesus says, no, you're clean. Just your feet that need to be a little bit washed. Sometimes we don't realize how much cleansing he's already done in our lives. How different we are than the day that we were before we received him. And they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten times, ten thousand times ten thousand. How that's the phenomenal number. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were singing or saying, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive, and here is now seven of them, to receive power, in other words, for people to be humbled before him, wealth, in other words, to always have increase, wisdom, in other words, to be able to discern and to understand, strength, in other words, to have victory, honor, in other words, to be elevated in our view, Glory to be magnified and praise to be worshipped. Let me read it again. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that was in them. What? Who? Where? Who did he hear? Every 
every creature, everywhere, all knees will bow, all tongues confess. You have an option to confess it now or to wait until then to confess it. You confess it now, you'll have the benefit of the healing that comes with it, the restoration that comes with it, the changes that come with it, the, the, the blessings that come in this lifetime, or you can wait until then and then you're going to have to confess it. He doesn't say where everybody is. He says that they're, he does. He says that some of them are in heaven, some on the earth, some under the earth, some on the sea. All of them are saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. This is a big deal. This Lamb, Lion, this Lamb that was slain, this Lion, is a big deal. It's the only one who's worthy. Not any other prophet, not any other teacher, not any other religion starter, not, not any other holy person, not any other healer, nobody else is worthy like he is worthy. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Hmm. This imagery of the lion comes from Genesis 49 where when he was blessing his children Jacob blessed his 12 sons and to Judah he says your brothers will praise you your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he couches and lies down. Like a lioness, who, who dares to rouse him? The imagery of Judah being a lion. You know what Judah means in Hebrew? It means praise, worship. So the lion of the tribe of Judah has already been from the very beginning when Jacob named his son Judah. He already was in his mind and in his spirit. There was this thing that said that this lion is going to be worshipped. But it's not him. But it's the seed of David. The root of David. He tells us who he is. There's nothing in here that tells us who he exactly he is. But when we begin to put the picture together and the puzzle comes together, here he's telling us that he's from Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's telling us from the, he's from the family of David. But he's also telling us a few other things. He's telling us that he is a lamb. And the person that said that to us first was John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus, his cousin, coming, he said... Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So over and over again, we hear about this Lamb. 
And then Isaiah the prophet, even before John the Baptist, wrote about him and said these words. He said, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. How is a lion a lamb? The lion is the king of the jungle. He's the mighty one that roars and with his one paw the earth shakes. The animals flee when they see the animal, the, the lion coming in with a, with a growl. But the image that he saw, he was told that the worthy one is the lion. But when he looked on him, what he saw was a lamb. In this whole thing, we see a bunch of different things. In Revelation 4 and 5, we notice that it starts with the worship of God the Father in chapter 4. And it ends with the worship of God the Son. But in the middle, there was this despair and this weeping that we see John experience. You may be there right now. That may be the place that you are in your life, despairing and weeping about something. Almost giving up. But then we notice the worthy one. But we realize something about this worthy one. He's both mighty, a lion, and he's very weak. When we were talking about the keys or the key characteristics of the kingdom, one of them, if you remember, was weakness. This, this weakness is the way of the lamb. The, li the lamb is worthy. He's weak. But he invites us to follow him. And this is the part that I believe that we need to embrace. This is the part that we talk about, but we never really embrace. The way of the Lamb. The way of turning our lives to follow after Him. Where our choices, remember what I said, what makes Silva strong is me being weak? By honoring other people, by making them strong, by making God strong in our lives, we follow the way of weakness. In a conflict, we take the way of weakness. In a situation where we can't, we want to exert our will. We want to not forgive. The way of the Lamb is the way of weakness. It's not a weakness that is there because He is not strong. It is the character of the lion that's inside. It's his nature. That's who he is. That's his identity. But the, 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 the outer appearance is the lion. But the inside disposition, the inside behavior, the outside behavior as well as the inside behavior is that of the lamb. Do you want to follow after him? Do you want to live in that way? It doesn't make you a floor mat. The strongest position to be in is to choose to be weak. It's very easy for me to come in and to be strong. 
I can pound on the table, I can shout, I can do all of those things, I can punch. That doesn't make me strong. What makes me strong is to be weak. What makes me strong is to be humble. What makes me strong, what makes me worthy, what makes me victorious is to surrender to God and surrender to others and allow His glory to come. And it ends with the worship of the Lamb. The Lamb, as much as the lion is a ferocious expression, fearful, you fear the lion. But the Lamb, when you approach a lamb, you're afraid to approach the lion and stick your hand out to tap it or pat it, aren't you? But every one of us would be open to touching a lamb. But the problem is that the lamb is too shy or too afraid and the lamb always retreats. That's the nature of the lamb. Weak. But that's what the Lord is inviting us into. Will you follow this upside-down kingdom and allow your life to be shaped by the way of the Lamb. Accepting weakness for power. Paul says, when I am weak, I am strong. In my weakness, his strength is made whole. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, as we look at these images, as we contemplate the lion who is the lamb, as we see strength and weakness all in one person, sometimes we get confused. Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble in relationships when we want to be strong. If we're not strong, they'll take advantage of us. If we're not strong, they'll abuse us. If we're not strong, we will be crushed. We will lose. But Lord, you've demonstrated something different. In your fullness of strength, the lion, the king of the jungle, the lion, you showed us the face of the lamb. Work your way in us now. Strengthen us, for we declare you are worthy of all honor, all power, all wealth, all glory, all praise. Jesus, be glorified in our midst.